Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome, black folks. Welcome, black folks. We back. Fire This Time Podcast, y'all. You know what it is. My name is Sonny Ture. I'm my kitty J. And uh, welcome back. This is episode 27. 27. And uh, we right back up in this thing. You know what I'm saying? It is uh, March 15th, right in the middle of this month. You know? And uh, we doing it, man. Day by day. Waiting for that stim. Stim come tax. I was just about to say that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Waiting for the Chizak. I know it was real high key because my grandparents hit me up talking about, hey, yeah. <laughs> talking about, uh, your, your, your uncle's daughter got a. They, they said, made some weird family connection. Somebody got their uh, income tax already. No, they stimulus already. I'm yeah. like, damn, I know it's real. My grandparents hit me up. Let me know that it's coming. It's coming. It's on its way. <laughs> That's what's up then. You know? I can dig that, man. Hey. It's that time of the season, you know. Uh, this wasn't playing tricks on us out here. It was just sunny, you know, about a week, week and a half ago. Now it's cold as shit. Uh, we see the, you know, we look like it was sleeting out here. Rain freezing up. It's all types of stuff. Mother Nature don't know what she want to do. Yeah, I ain't expect that walking yeah. outside today. Yeah, you do it all up. icicles on the dump. Yeah, all types of shit, you know what I'm saying? So it's, uh, it's been real. But uh, we glad to be back with you again. Always remember, folks, like, share, subscribe on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. All of that fire this time. If you listen, then make sure you go uh, subscribe to the YouTube. You know? Yeah, we got yeah, we, yeah, we got visuals on the YouTube. We now. just did that. Put some clips on there, so look for updates on there. You know, throughout the week, throughout each week, you know, throwing clips from uh, the, the recordings that we do. So uh, make sure you support that. That's what's up. That's what's up. Uh, this week, y'all, we gonna we gonna do a couple little things. Talk about a couple little different things. Uh, we really gonna probably try to dig a little bit into this. Uh, I kind of have a little conversation about this uh, Black Lives Matter uh, situation and Mike Dern, Mike Brown's father calling him out, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, also Tamir Rice's mama called him out, too. Mm-hmm. So um, we're going to have a conversation about, you know, all of that in connection with all the different things that's been going on lately with Black Lives Matter. You know, chapters breaking off, doing their own thing, and stuff like that. But before we get into that, though, we got to come with this week's fire. Mm-hmm. So uh, this week we gonna actually mention uh, Grammy Award winner Nas. Nasir Jones. Nasty Nas. Yes. Brought it home. Brought it home. You know what I'm saying? He won for best rap album. Yeah, make sure on that real quick. Yeah, best rap album, King's Disease. Mm-hmm. And I know there's a little controversy. You know what I'm saying? He was up. Yeah, I'm looking at the list now. Let's, I'm start at the bottom. The allegory, Royce the Five Nine was also a nominee. Solid MC. Our written testimony, J Electronica. I love that album right there, bro. Solid MC. Alfredo, Freddie Gibbs, the Alchemist. You know, Freddie Gibbs. Solid MC. That's my dude. He's one of my favorites. Indiana boy, fellow Indiana, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So he's one of my favorites. Uh Black Habits by D Smoke. And uh of course King's Disease by Nas took it home. So and, you know, for him to take it home amongst that list says a lot. I'm not sure that this was the year that Nas maybe should have won. I mean, maybe it was previous albums he should have won it. I got to look, maybe previous years he, he lost out. I mean, I'm going to keep it real. You know what I'm saying? It was My favorite album is Illmatic, so I felt that should have had a Grammy. It got 10 mics in the source, which was a credible hip-hop source at the time. Should have had a Grammy. 
I, man, I, I, I'm right there with you. I think it was written. It's right there, neck and neck with. It got four. Yeah. It was, it was a classic. No, sure they could, they could have competed for a Grammy. We're not even, you know, using their mic system. Like, it was written five out of five. You know what I'm saying, but, I'm saying, I'm saying though, the source was a quality hip hop source, right there. That was a quality back yeah. in the day when, 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 when. You when, saying, you, you saying, Illmatic got ten, or was it five? Illmatic got five mics. Okay, okay. Because the highest standard was five mics. Gotcha. You know what I'm saying? The only group to ever get all five mics was Outkast, and I think Tribe Called Quest got like three. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So so that, that that first album right there was solid, but he made other classics, though, because it was written was the shit. Yeah. That no, was. And yeah. I know I'm, you know, not the best uh, maybe to look to for this one right here, because I didn't listen to King's Disease. You know what I'm saying? I listened to uh, Alfredo. I listened to a written testimony. Yeah, Alfredo is my ex. That's my joint. Yeah, Alfredo, that joint. That's my joint right there. Uh, I mean, let, let's look through a, a few more of these. You know what I'm saying? I do got to give a shout out to, even though, you know, we did have the last episode, we did talk about Megan uh, the Stallion yeah. and, uh, you know, and hypergamy and all that. Yeah. I do have to give a shout out to Megan. She won a few awards. Not saying that I think she should have won that Best Rap Performance Award, but. Her winning Best New Artist did make it so Doja Cat did not win Best New <laughs> <laughs> So so pretty much so pretty much you know uh, uh, you know you you can make that you can make that trade off on that oh glad yeah, you yeah, can make yeah. that trade off on that hey, as a black man I know you know we gotta take the cards we dealt. <laughs> you know, and uh, you know I'll that's take just, it. that's I'll just one. It. That's just one of them right there. Yeah. That's the sacrifice that uh, you make for the people. Okay, then I think you know she. You know she banged out. I think she got like three of them. Uh, D Smoke was also on that list, and K uh, Tronada, and those only other people I know on the list, including Meg Thee Stallion, you know, the Best New Artist nominees. Uh, yeah, I know, and I'm looking at here too. Even on the, uh, I see my man Thundercat. He got progressive rap, uh, uh, progressive R&B, you know what I'm saying, album of the year. And he won that? Yeah, he won that. Okay, you know shout out saying? Thundercat. Yeah, he, I messed with he Thundercat, are. you know what I'm saying? Uh, he beat out Robert Glasper, okay. which, I, which you know, I like Robert Glasper too. But he won, Robert Glasper won a best R&B song. Yeah. Better than I imagine with her. Yeah, with uh, India, uh, India Cello, my girl uh, mm-hmm. Michelle India Cello mm-hmm. on there. So, you know, they, I mean, a couple of people, you know what I'm saying, they was, you know. Uh, Bigger Love by John Legend won best R&B album. I ain't never been no John Legend. And who is these people? Okay, I see. I know Giveon, Take Time. I don't know Luke James like that, Gregory Porter, and Clemens. I don't, I don't know, know who these people are. I don't, I don't know. know. We're going to keep scrolling. Uh, best melodic rap perform. This is, yeah, hold this guy does. So uh, we got. What the, hell, what the hell is a. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. We got best rap performance and we got best melodic rap performance. What the hell is melodic? So, of course, you know. Like us. melodic. What is melodic rap? So of course us at Fire that's the Time, a new, that's, we, we do our research. You know what I'm saying. So for the people, you know what I'm saying. We did our research, did our little Google. You know what I'm saying. So best melodic rap performance. I was curious. I, don't, I guess I don't pay too much attention to the Grammys because I didn't know where this came from. This is my first time really looking at seeing, <laughs> seeing this. You know what I'm saying. So I guess it started as best rap sung collaboration or best rap sung performance from 2018 to 2020. And I guess it just recently changed, they said. Yeah, June 2020, with the media effect to represent the inclusivity of the growing hybrid performance trends within the rap genre. According to the Recording Academy, this category is intended to recognize solo and collaborative performances 
containing elements of rap and melody over modern production. This performance requires a strong and clear presence of melody combined with rap cadence and is inclusive of dialects, lyrics, or performance elements from non-rap genres, including R&B, rock, country, electronics, or more. So, uh, let's no, go. No, Aki, that sounds like... Hip-hop. That, that, no, 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 no. That sounds like pop. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, I it just sounds like pop. So, let's see who's on this list. Because we got Anderson Pop, and he definitely makes... Somewhat of a pop hybrid of hip hop and R&B yeah, and yeah, jazz, and a lot of things, you know. And a spot dope. The baby and Roddy Rich rock star. That's definitely a, a more hybrid song. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Definitely has some rock star or some rock elements in there. Mm-hmm. Drake uh, and Lil Durk, Laugh Now Cry Letter. Yeah. The box and Roddy Rich. That definitely was a, a banger right there. I'm surprised that didn't win. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Because when that was, it got nominated in another category too. I think. Yeah. And highest in the room by Travis Scott. Yeah. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Uh, it just. I mean, hey. You learn something new every day, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, even though I believe that you know, hip hop is uh what it is. But then again, it's like, oh, I mean, if you gonna when have I gotta Google something about hip hop, if you got ain't historical, that's bad. <laughs> I mean, because so much of this other stuff is melodic. You know what I'm saying? Little Baby's the bigger picture is melodic, and that yeah. was best rap performance. Why didn't I get nominated for best melodic rap performance? Yeah. Uh, I mean, so I think some of these, you know, so the industry going to pick and choose which mixes, you know what I'm saying, it prefers and which ones they want to recognize, you know, with awards and all that stuff, you know, so. It's sort of like, because uh, I, I mean, I, I compare these categories and the nominees in them, and then I compare it to the people that was in the best rap album. Mm. Nas, Freddie Gibbs, J Electronica, Royce to 5'9". Like, would most Def be included in best mo- melodic rap performance if he includes jazz and funk and he sings on his rap albums? Would, would, the, would that, some songs that, from that static make it in best melodic rap performance? I would. Or, do, or does it have to be more pop? You know what I'm saying? Why not? If it's got to be more pop, then why not just call it pop? Well, I say this. I would. I would also say that it would be more commercial. So Which you, would make it more yeah, pop. Yeah, these songs are definitely more commercial. Yeah. Because yeah. whereas, good example. The J Electronica and them, they out. The, the hip hop heads gonna go by they out. People mm-hmm. who listen to hip hop and, and want lyrics, beats, production, they're gonna yeah. go listen to that. Now you got people that listen to both, mm-hmm. but that's gonna pro, 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 predominantly go towards the hardcore people that's into that lyrics or, or you know traditional type form or, or stream of it. So, so I don't, you know, I, most Def gets accepted by that side. Mm-hmm. Because he came from that side. Right. But, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it would be on the commerciality of it. Most Def has never gotten, music has never gotten commercial. Yeah, a few of us, I mean, a few of us made it, uh, had commercial success, but never that that pop international, you know what I'm saying, blowing up like a, like a Drake or somebody like that. Or even like, say, for instance, you could say Outkast. And this really underscored the need for black folk to have our own, you know what I'm saying, institutions that treat hip-hop at a high level as high yeah. art that it is yeah. that we can really categorize you know out these different subgenres ourselves yeah. and give these awards out because I mean what Kendrick and uh, some others is doing right now retouching this jazz and hip-hop and blues hybrid yeah. you know think about Kendrick the Pimper Butterfly and other cuts and even though I think that was recognized by the Grammys yeah. you know what I'm saying but the that trend extends beyond Kendrick, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I don't see really that type of hip-hop being recognized, you know what I'm yeah. saying, if, if 
you know, it, it's melodic, but not melodic in the pop way that the Grammy is is going to yeah. put on the pedestal. I, I mean, I, I would say this: there's always been a brand of hip hop that's been experimental. Yeah. Um, and, I, and when I say that, um, African Bambada and them was experimental. Mm-hmm. They were sampling songs that the average person wasn't sampling or didn't even did choose to sample at the time. And then even with our artists, people like Kendrick going back and tapping into those blues and rock and other type of genres of black music, that's something that we sort of always done. Mm-hmm. You know, um, hip-hop was sort of born from that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, us pulling, sampling from the old and making new stuff with it. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, we can create our own music, but even then, we may choose to do... I mean, Outkast was known for doing that a lot. Um, organized Noise. They were actually playing... and. Uh, Dr. Dre and them, they were actually playing live instruments, doing old school songs, mm-hmm. chopping them up, and then, you know, so... It, I, 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 I think my point with this is, like, all these different forms of hip-hop, I don't think none of them really reside in the past because they keep on being remade and redone yeah. in different ways. Yeah. And I think a lot of times people treat certain types of hip-hop like that like it's hip-hop from the past. Yeah. You know, but I think we need to treat hip-hop like, like it's the high art that it is, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And different forms of hip-hop, of course, have, uh, you know, long lives, you yeah. know what I'm saying? And, and they, they deserve their own, like, distinction, yeah. you know what I'm saying, within how we, I guess, uh, the, you like, know, rate and, and It's and like looking at hip-hop like a culture, mm-hmm. right? When you see it as a culture and you look at the roots of hip-hop, you mm-hmm. see the sampling, the pulling from the past. Even though when you look, even though if you look at the hip-hop today, it don't sound like it do in the past. Mm-hmm. It's completely changed. Mm-hmm. Beat patterns, it's it's MCing ability, skills, the way people rap is all changed. But those elements from that primary root culture of how it was born is still there. We still do it. We just do it in different ways. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? We just so and you're right. You treat it like a high, a high culture. That's sort of how you do it. You know, um, you recategorize, but you also you know, you categorize, but you also Define the things of the old that you know what I'm saying because it ain't shit new. And I think the categorization is just a small part of it, you know. What I'm yeah. Saying? And, and and I think that's just one way we treat it seriously. Yeah. Because I mean, I just take Kendrick for instance. You know what I'm saying? Like damn versus to pimp a butterfly. I think those are two different subgenres that he's touching on. Yeah. You know, one damn is definitely a little bit more experimental and melodic. You know what I'm saying? Compared to a more boom bap, soulful, bluesy to be yeah. a butterfly. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I, I think those, you know, we, we don't have any awards for hip hop that, uh, you know, have though, that type of uh, distinctive depth. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? But hip hop is high art, deserving enough for it. Yeah. That's my point. I mean, in, yeah, in hip hop, we sort of did. Yeah. We, we always had the concept of conscious rap. Yeah. Gangster rap. Party rap, but those are still distinctions. We did. I don't know if we made those distinctions. Those are distinctions that we use to get into an industry and, 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 and interface with an industry. Well, I would say I like th- I think I would I'd probably say yeah, you're right. You're right. I think our distinctions, how we talk about music, with totally within the culture. You know what I'm mm. saying? Have always had these nuances. I'm talking about. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm just trying to say like, how could we institutionalize? Yeah. Yeah. How we we already treat the culture. Yeah. Because we used yeah. to we used to do it constantly when we used to have ciphers on with the brothers. Mm-hmm. We used to constantly get into that, you know. Yeah, all, all the time. I remember when I was at my my like my my, my early twenties. The the, the hip hop at the time was either 
you was either into if you was a, if you was into lyricism, you was into Wu Tang, cause they was jumping on that tip at the time. If you was into just your your, your hood gangster shit, or even more commercial, it was Master P in there. They was just coming up doing their thing. You know what I'm saying? That's when I was in my 20s. Prior to that, you know, we was. I mean, I think about Outkast. No, there's no Outkast album that's the same. And every time it got more different, you be like, what in the hell are they doing? But we still accepted it as hip-hop. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, yeah, we could, we, we can get better. We can get better. But that's why we need things that we used to have, like the Source Awards, the mm-hmm. Source Magazine. This is five mics. That's four mics. We used to do that. We used to have a... And in the Source Magazine, which was generally by us, you've seen us having these conversations. I mean, we hear it all the time. I, at least I do, you know what I'm saying, how people put hip-hop in a box. You know what I'm saying? Because hip-hop was the name applied to something, the shit that people... To something that people people didn't even think was going to last. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But hip-hop is, I think, not just an era, but I think it's a paradigm of black music that we've arrived to with digital technology. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Where hip-hop is is put into a box, you know what I'm saying, of where if you include different elements, now you're going outside the box of hip-hop. Yeah. But that's also a commentary on black music. In black culture, black yeah. folk culture, in my yeah. opinion, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, where, where hip-hop for me, you know, is uh, really uh, defined by, you know what I'm saying, what is possible with black music. Of course, I think hip-hop has some of the elements of mm-hmm. a 4 by 4 beat pattern. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? The ki- some, some, somewhere the kick and the snare got to match up here on some hip-hop albums. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? What, but what, some what, hip-hop what, albums, some hip-hop don't even got no beat to it. I didn't heard albums like, who in the hell made this? Mm. They selling somewhere. Exactly. Exactly. It's bells chiming in the background. That's it. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, it, I, yeah, it, yeah. Maybe focus on the kiss is the wrong part. Maybe it has something to do with the lyrics. But then again, could be that you, too. You, you can have hip hop albums without any lyrics on them. Like I just, I just released one, Deacon. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying, yeah. and and the drums is all really all over the place with that. Yeah. So it is really kind of hard to lock down exactly what hip hop is for people that really live it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. On a musical level, hip hop is just a, a transition for black music. Mm-hmm. Just the soul of black music. That's it. We did it during blues, jazz, two eras of jazz. Uh, electric jazz and the traditional R- R&B of the 60s Soul music of the 70s I think there's gonna be another genera of music that we're gonna create That's gonna come from this It's gonna have though The hip hop elements in it I, I, I It's do. gonna have the jazz And all the other stuff too I wonder, I do wonder, you know what I'm saying I, I, I have no doubt You know what I'm saying, that what you saying could be true But I mean I is hip hop really just what black what's possible in black music once we develop this identity of you know what I'm saying? Oh. I, I, I think about I mean, you don't have hip hop without the black power era in the decades following that. Yeah. And what and then how we arose from that. Mm-hmm. And also digital technology yeah. allowing for certain sampling, you know what I'm saying? Sampling yeah. of course is integral in black music. You can't do it without without you know certain digital technology. Yeah. That, that allowed for the genre to form. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, the same thing with reggae. There's a digital technology that was, you know, you needed to have enough guitar for the genre to form. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
yeah, I mean, where do you where do you go after you know uh, identity, the the freedom of our oratory performance and digital technology? You know, what I'm saying, is there another place for black music to go or or, or something to incorporate to change it, or or, or is this the uh, the last uh, I guess launching pad for for where black artists go? I mean, I say this, I don't even think we even at that point yet. Um, like. When, when hip hop came, it didn't come because funk was dying, right? Well, R and B was dying. They were still thriving. They thrived actually parallel to each other at certain periods, you know. Um, and funk is thriving through hip hop now. Exactly. Funk is thriving through R and B now. Jazz is still there. Yes. Blues is still there. So that's why I say we're gonna get to another stage of music. Like, I think we're going to come up with something else. The same way brothers in the projects, brothers and sisters and children in the projects came up with hip-hop. Have we already came... Are are we... My thing is, are we already constantly coming up with something else and we just constantly call it hip-hop? That actually could be the case. You know what I'm saying? Now, I can not say that. I think think we're we're constantly innovating and we're just constantly calling our innovation hip-hop because there's this industry that's defining it and selling it back to us. And one of the constant things that they hear in it is rap. Exactly. Somebody rapping in it. You know, um, we could be at that place. I mean, I probably think that we sort of are mm. when I started seeing, okay. So when I hear people say that fucked up shit about hip-hop and saying, like, hip-hop needs to innovate and there needs to be something different, so I, I, I think that they're putting, you know what I'm saying, all their fucked up feelings about black culture and just shitting yeah. on hip-hop yeah. with that. The, you know what I'm saying? The, because the, the innovations that they don't hear, I know I know the innovations are there and coming yeah. and already here. Mm-hmm. And they're, all, they're always happening with hip-hop. We just always call it hip-hop. Yeah. That's why some of the young folk kind of rebel against that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I mean, that's why I think hip-hop is a much, much wider umbrella, you know, for black music, you know, for this paradigm, you know. So, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, um, it's always going to be a demand for originality and things. Mm-hmm. So, it's just like, even now, hip hop is that originality. Yeah, you got people who gonna want the lyricism. Mm-hmm. They want a a person who is rhyming over a beat, actually saying something. Make them think, metaphor. Make you say, "Damn, he said that shit." You know. You got some people who want to hear gangster shit. Hip hop sort is tailored to lifestyles too. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what makes it... Hip-hop is a living thing. It ain't nothing that's dead. It's always alive. It's always moving. It's always changing. So, like, it's definitely... I, whatever comes next, if not, we're already there, because I do agree we calling a lot of shit hip-hop. And it may not be. It may just be its own little thing. You know, like this, you know, m- m- uh, what is it, melodic? Uh, m- m- <laughs> I mean, maybe what niggas created in the digital age has the same power. That's what I'm saying. Like, maybe... And maybe it, it, it has the potential for that freedom. Maybe it's defined not by limitations, but by freedom. Maybe that's hip-hop. Yeah, could be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, for me, I look at jazz now and even uh, music of the 70s and the 60s. That's classic. That's my classical music. You know, um, including music from the 30s and the 40s and the things of that such nature. But what if jazz artists that couldn't play drums could sync up drums with an electronic computer? True. Like, would they would they have made hip-hop music or something that sounded like, more like hip-hop music? Well, I would honestly say that, honestly, hip-hop, that's what they was doing. They was, they, a lot of guys, 
that came in hip-hop with 5%. Back in the 80s and the 70s, 5%ers set up in the house, listened to jazz, and studied lessons. They knew jazz. So when you start hearing the jazz come through people like Tribe Called Quest and them and uh, Gangstar, they already knew. They was already sampling that shit. They was already, it was just, but that was a whole new era of hip-hop because when they started doing that, we was like, oh, damn, we ain't never... At first, they were just sampling. J- James Brown was the main thing. Bruh, if hip-hop has changed sounds every five years and we continue to call it hip-hop, why are people still looking at hip-hop to innovate? Like, something's wrong with the people saying that, not hip-hop. <laughs> hip-hop is doing what it do. It does what it's supposed to do. niggas doing what we do. Yeah. Hip-hop was something that was born out of... I, I, I always f- I felt this way. It was born out of the soul. It was born out of the soul of people in the projects. And people in the projects have to learn how to adapt and, and survive. It, and it, that's what hip-hop is. It was born by maybe that first generation that gave up on trying to fit into the Western world with digital technology. Very much. Identity-wise, that was important for hip-hop. Yeah. And that's a part of hip-hop. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Anything that really don't do that hip-hop-wise sound more pop. Yeah. End up sounding more pop. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, so... I think there's so much going into it, and I really love this conversation on hip hop we having. You know, go, definitely went a lot longer. Yeah, definitely uh, did. Uh, uh, yeah. Than we thought. You know, yeah. we had what 25. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. But uh, we're gonna move on. Yeah, we're so, gonna move on. So we're gonna take a little break right there, and uh, come back in a few minutes and uh, tackle this uh, these BLM issues. Right? Gotcha. Peace. Peace. Welcome back. We back in here, y'all. Episode 27, second half of it. Fire this time. And, uh, yeah, Aki, what are we going to talk about the second time? I mean, the second half, right? Uh, man, uh, we're going to talk about this, uh, Mike Brown's father. You know, um, he been in the news lately. You know, he been in the black news lately, you know, uh, speaking on some real things, speaking some real facts. Um, that I think we know and be, you know, we also might have run through our mind at some point in some time. You know, he uh he did a little calling out. Um you know, we uh got a chance to check out, you know, the statement that was made by him and uh I could dig the brother from what he was saying. Um if you don't know, you know, it's been out for the last couple of weeks, you know, of Black Lives Matter, you know, getting ninety million dollars. Since George Floyd's uh, murder. Since George Floyd's murder. You know, and... Uh, and Breonna Taylor's. And Breonna Taylor's. Mm. And, uh, you know, people have been questioning, like, okay, well, what's going on with this uh, money? There's also been other issues, you know, questions of leadership, you know. Um, who, you yeah, know. We mentioned in previous episodes, questions of uh, democratic decision-making. Yeah. Of uh, local chapters uh, having access to the funds raising Black Lives Matter name mm-hmm. uh, with the idea that they would be going towards grassroots uh, activities. And organizing. And, uh, you know, grassroots chapters, you know, uh, you know, over 10 of them, you know, we discussed on previous episodes, have left and called into question and criticized, you know, these things uh, from the National uh, Global Network or whatever they're going by now. Because mm-hmm. uh, they have introduced new entities uh new organizational entities in the wake of all this as well, including a political action committee, a PAC, you know. to, uh, uh, of course, get involved on a d- democratic 
party. Yeah, you know, they, they've been doing some things lately, I guess, since they've been getting called out. But uh, before we, you know, we would like for you to hear, you know, what the father and uh, one of his uh, comrades says um, and said about it. And, you know, they spoke on. So um, we're going to try to get that to you. So I'll play it now. I'm Tory Russell, Ferguson frontline organizer, and on the behalf of many activists in the St. Louis area, I'm joined with Mike Brown Sr., the father of Mike Brown Jr. Today, we hold Black Lives Matter accountable. The movement that is catapulted into the limelight has forgotten about Ferguson and the freedom fighters. Freedom fighters like King D. Seals, Edward Crawford, and Diane Jones have literally given their lives to the struggle but rarely spoken about and families are not taken care of. Brother Ali, Joshua Williams, and many other political prisoners from the Ferguson movement are incarcerated or have been and still has received no assistance from Black Lives Matter. What kind of movement are we building where we're saying Black Lives Matter, but the freedom fighters and the families are being left behind? Where is our restitution? Where is our organizing? Where is our building of a movement? We have groups like the Lost Voices and the Freedom Fighters here, and thousands of other youth activists in their 20s and 30s have been out in the streets protesting for months and months and years for years. Still forgotten. We're asking that Black Lives Matter leadership funds $20 million to Ferguson organizers, organizations, and community foundations to do the work. We're not begging for a handout. We're coming for what we deserve. Today, as we demand the $20 million to go to Ferguson as restorative measures so we can continue what we started, here's what we'll be organizing. Annual commemorations around Mike Brown Jr.'s life, mutual aid programs, Black Panther-style programs and services to meet the needs of the people, community gardens and farms, and also organizing fellowships and stipends so we can fight white supremacy full time. This is what we started in Ferguson, and this is what we will continue. Powerful. Talking G shit. Powerful. You know, uh, I don't know what you think about that, Aki. The chickens coming home to roost. Yeah. I mean, um, I, and I say all this as a former member of the local Black Lives Matter chapter here in Champaign. Even back then, knowing organizers that were participating in uh, the national convenings back then, mm -hmm. uh, when the movement started, uh, knowing the relationship between our chapter's leadership and the, the global network or the national chapter, the national leadership, and seeing the backwardsness, yeah. witnessing it firsthand. Mm. Uh, I've been knowing about this for years, since really BLM's inception. Mm. Uh, close friend of mine uh, once told me it's not amateur hour and he was much wiser you know what I'm saying uh, when BLM was starting out I had no idea what he was saying this is why I was a member <clears throat> you know and uh, it came out to be you know uh, pretty true maybe not amateur hour but this this is definitely not amateur hour and definitely not uh, you know those that are in this for a buck or those that are in this for clout or prestige as you know some way that they think that this can guarantee their leadership and legitimacy as yeah. opposed to actually doing the work and listening to the people 
Mm -hmm. And uh, of course, what Mike Brown's family is saying here, uh, we see that BLM and how it grew over the past six, seven years, they have not listened to the people. They have not listened to black communities. Mm -hmm. They have sought to impose on black communities a style of organizing or uh, their own prestige, you know what I'm saying, as a validation for their leadership and why really white media and white people's uh, sympathy through their media and their liberal institutions, including in academia, media, and politics. That's what shows Black Lives Matter mm -hmm. as the uh, leader yeah. or, or, or the center. That's what, that, that's what defined uh, black anger for this white liberal uh, society. Mm -hmm. And that, that's what they chose. To, instead of confronting the actual black anger, mm -hmm. they chose this black middle class uh, sympathetic Black Lives Matter, please be empathetic about mm -hmm. our lives, white institutions, and give us resources and jobs. You know, that's mm -hmm. why so much of this middle-class BLM shit sounds like a job fair. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Instead of the liberation and Black Panther-style programs that are going without resources in Ferguson, mm -hmm. even though they gave so much of their blood, sweat, and tears, lives even, you know. And one more thing, okay, I know I'm ranting right now, but I have to shout, they, they mentioned the name on there, uh, Danye Jones. Yeah. His name in particular. Yeah. Just because we know his uncle. Mm hmm And work closely with his uncle here in Champaign-Urbana, Kashif. Yeah. The uncle that found him like that mm -hmm. in his backyard. You know, that family, Melissa McKinney's his mother, going through what they're going through in the past year since that happened. You know, obviously... You know, and those that don't know the story, Diane Jones found hanging in his backyard, and the police walk away from it saying it's a suicide, not yeah. investigating it as a murder, and yeah. thrown and disposing of evidence. Mm -hmm. Where where is the attention paid to this nationally? If you have ninety million dollars coming in in, in in less than a year, and uh, this is what's going down. This is just one case. We talked about Darren Seals before, and mm -hmm. uh, and, and others. This yeah. is just one case. I mean, you know, man, uh, like you said, chickens coming home to roost. Um, organization that's not, and that's what it come down to me, too. A, a group that really didn't have, I don't think they had intentions of being an organization. I don't think they had a, an intention of doing that work. But they, they, they you, 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 you claim leadership. They, they, you gotta they take the responsibility. They definitely benefited from the cloud of leadership. There you go. Book they, deals. They 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 forwarded them themselves as we are the so and so so and so who are leading the movement. The black women, the black queer women who are leading the movement. So you don't think accountability and responsibility of leadership and the black radical tradition that you claim comes with that, or do you want to redefine what? The black radical tradition and what what leadership means to it. Well, no, no. Means. The, well, I'm keeping real. No, that I mean that's the era and time we in right now. They've been defining that. That's the, the that, academia that, has been redefining that. And that's postmodernism. All yeah. the all these yeah. definitions don't mean shit. Yeah, they all been defining that. That's 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 been going on. Uh, um, even even in the times of when Black Lives Matter when that was popping off in Ferguson, people were questioning shit. You know, uh, for me it's like yo. You don't have no hierarchy. There's nobody to really answer to. We've, we're seeing now that you don't have a true, you know what I'm saying, uh, democratic process. 
You know, because you got chapters stepping up and rebelling, withdrawing themselves, saying that y'all don't have a democratic process in place. So um, it was actually their release that they had this amount of money and they donated this amount of money to th these groups. And if you look at the groups that they actually donated yeah. their money to, yeah. that's actually a whole different story. I, I say do your own research. We're not, we can't even got time for that right now. Yeah. But that, so they've been trying to respond to, you know, the over 10 BLM chapters leaving yeah. and criticizing them in an open letter mm -hmm. with more doing it even recently in 2021. They respond to these type of ways, but also Patrice Cullors, who's still, still part of the national leadership, she comes out. This is more. This is as recent as the uh, Judas and Black Messiah film on William O'Neill, yeah. the snitch, and Fred Hampton. Uh, she actually came out and she said she, in a response. I think th think this is on Instagram or Twitter. She said, "We all watch Judas and the Black Messiah." And yet, no one questioned the lies because it's easier to hate black women. It's easier not to believe black women. My practice in abolition teaches me compassion, boundaries, forgiveness, and to lean towards healing. The hell that got to do with <laughs> So, of course, she, she tries to put all this bullshit at the beginning of the statement and then end it with this flourish of, of humanism, right? My practice is, is, is about compassion, forgiveness, and healing. What did she say at the beginning of that? She, so she's saying that we all just watched this movie about the niggas, or black men, I should say, mm. and, and the Black Panther Party in this film, Judas and Black Messiah, mm. and how that they were undermined by the lies of the federal government, right? Mm -hmm. So we all watched this movie and felt empathetic towards black men. And, but she says, and yet no one questioned the lies because it's easier to hate black women. Mm. So she, you're telling me that the grassroots chapters, one after another, over 10 of them now, yeah. came up, came out, said, y'all been doing dirt. Mm -hmm. You're saying that this is about hating black women? This is about yeah. not believing black women? Yeah. Get the fuck that's, out of here. That's the scapegoat. That's the, the scapegoat to avoid the, the actual criticism that you're getting right now. Mm -hmm. Um... Your chapters came up and said this. Your chapters came out like, man, y'all ain't throwing us no bread to get this shit done. And we still fighting these cases. We got people locked up. People can't. And now, now we ain't now like. I think now they trying to do like they doing a, uh, the COVID relief thing. They doing that, you know, thousand uh, dollars. Well, they said the money went uh, was almost dried up immediately, and yeah. they're trying to raise funds for more. Cause you only put three million dollars in it. But uh, it's always something. And one <laughs> we got an argument outside the crib right now. Yeah. I don't know if y'all can hear that on the mic. Yeah, yeah, they're getting in right so there. But uh, we in the hood. <laughs> yeah, that's how you know you're dealing with real folks. But uh, yeah, man. Um, and you know the father sort of been vocal on this for a while, on, on just calling out. He's that's, this ain't the first time he's called out Black Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. Um, this ain't the first time we didn't had activists call out Black Lives Matter. Um. We gotta, you know, we gotta, we gotta really do some thinking. I mean, um, but I, what I say is this: we're not naive. Mm -hmm. Black people are getting smarter. Facts. We're catching on. Facts. Um, and we're not, you know, we following the money. We we hearing them old quotes now. Follow the money. We hearing that shit. Nigga, who giving you this money? Facts. You know. Um, and and after six or seven years of failing to do, to failing to take up that responsibility.
now two of the founders left, left one there to clean up the pieces. Yeah. And now she's over here saying that people just hate black women. You know what I'm saying? So it's really a shit show. Yeah. It really is. And um, feel bad for Patrice Colors being left to, you know, carry this burden. And, and I do feel some people in BLM and some of the chapters that remain saying, you know, it's up to us to build the infrastructure we should have been building or, you know, we've been trying to build this whole time. Yeah. And, um, you know, th- there could be still some good to come from it. But yeah. um, the anti-democratic decision-making that goes into Patrice Cullors being named national leader mm-hmm. without a, a democratic process yeah. that really engages your actual base, the people actually trying to do the work. You know what I'm saying? Uh, like I said, this is more. This has been more about a middle-class, black middle-class, black petty bourgeois imposition on the black working class of certain values, mm-hmm. principles, uh, or a certain... Uh, uh, adherence to uh, a leadership that has not proven itself yeah. or, or really devoted itself to, you know, being the vehicle and the voice of the black community. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Are, are you trying to win the hearts and minds and be a vehicle and voice of the black community? Are you trying to impose something on the black community or represent an imposition on the black community for white benefit, for white resources, for book deals, mm-hmm. for leadership within this uh, white, or I should say liberal, integrated society? Yeah. That, that's who recognizes really BLM's leadership. It's yeah. not the black working class. It's niggas in the hood, Akita G, recognizing BLM's leadership, political leadership over the black Mm-mm. community. Mm-mm. I mean, your political leadership got to deal with something that the people is dealing with. And no offense, a lot of their campaigns, the, 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 the niggas, <laughs> pardon my French, but that ain't really vibing that. They just don't, I mean, maybe I say like this, you know, now you got this money. What you can do is is figure out what you want to do and put that money towards institutions, at least where your chapters are, to get that done. Should have been, that planning should have been there before. I mean, just like their Black National Convention coming the same year or months before the election last year. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Their first Black National Convention Mm -hmm. after all this time. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Comes the election year of Donald Trump versus Biden. And it uh, it was a shadow of the first Black National Convention. Oh, but but they said it was... Check out the previous episode of that. We ain't going to dip back in that combo. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But we we already took that apart Mm -hmm. uh, last year. So, yeah, Aki... uh, any, any, anything else on this You know what I'm saying I, I feel like we might be At a good stopping point um, I, I encourage other people To look at the financial report Recently released by BLM Yeah uh, I didn't know That there were no donors Mentioned in that report mm-hmm. No uh, uh, No report of the large donors uh, For instance I mean and, but, but we already know some Some of them yeah uh, I think they They said something About donations And maybe the average size Of donations I don't know mm-hmm. if they said Anything about the list of big donors. Gotcha. Um, and I and I say that because we know about the Borealist Foundation and some of these other white philanthropic foundations yeah. that we know for sure. You can look up their websites. They promote the fact that they that, that they fund Black Lives Matter. Yeah, they doing it. Uh, I think they even said something like Bezos may have had something to do with it or gave him some money. I don't know how true that is, but uh, it's always been questions around that lack of transparency. I'm, and Dr. Carr said this on the Roland Martin piece that we watched. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
we have to crowdsource our movements. Yeah. And if if you're not being critical enough at this point in 2021 to look at black movements funded, so-called black movements funded yeah. by white liberal institutions, you know what I'm saying? We have to, you need to go back and learn some histories of the past. There you go. Because that's why we see the stagnation in BLM and mm-hmm. and their uh I guess they don't really have a grasp or a real initially they actually declined the responsibility of having a national political structure for mm-hmm. these chapters to enter into. It was more so agree to these principles and do your thing in your community. More so, and it wasn't like we're we're carrying out this political program for yeah. these black nationalist ends. Yeah, this is your this is your position. This is your position. Mm. Do you want you know? Do you got a secretary? Do you do you got personal mm. security? Do you, th- these are things that you sort of got to have in place. Yeah. And we know, hey, and here in Champaign, uh, during the first year of the movement, one of the founders came and spoke here at the University of Illinois campus. Do you know they spoke for about two hours? Had a fancy dinner either before or after that cost fifty hundred dollars a plate or some crazy shit like that. They gave a few seats to the actual members of the chapter, and she actually met with members of the chapter maybe for like ten or fifteen minutes before she jetted to her next gig. Hmm. You understand what I'm saying? And she got paid twenty, thirty, probably stacks for that. Good God. I'm guessing it was definitely five figures. Oh yeah, she getting the check. It was definitely five figures. So that that's what we're talking about. And that's not that that's not the tradition of black nationalists, yeah. black revolutionary nationalists yeah. uh, organizing that I'm we come think, from. I'm trying to think like, you know, we had plenty that's of activists that went and spoke people. in church. Yeah, spoke in churches, spoke in universities. Was they getting checks? It's the problem with black. If you are so-called a, a, a black national political leader, and the black community is not funding your speaking tour, you have to rely on white institutions. Um, I understand some of that was needed in the past for leaders to sustain themselves, but I mean, Malcolm X wasn't relying on white money when he went around building up the mosques and temples of the Nation of Islam. Mm-hmm. That was black funded. That was black funded. What is? I mean, uh, SNCC relied a lot on black funding too, mm-hmm. especially initially uh, when they was organizing. Cause they was doing that through churches. Exactly, and uh, SELC and others. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, black funding for our movements, for our ends, is vital. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so that, that's where we at with it. Uh, real quick, this message from Tamir Tamir Rice's mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm tired of you. Black Lives Matter (parentheses) Tamika Mallory and Sony bitches. Excuse my language. That's riding these black families back and y'all ambulance chasing attorneys. Uh, parentheses Ben Crump Lee Merrick too. Y'all have fucked up our fight and y'all can kiss my ass too. Make it make sense. You can't be working with the devil. Oh, I'm sorry. You can't working with devil is easy to do. Working with the devil is easy to do. Fuck y'all. And um, the person that posted this message from her page said, you know, people finally seeing the BS. Hey. And um, <laughs> not not saying I share those same sentiments as her with some of the people she mentioned. Yeah. Certainly, I have a problem with the ambulance chasing attorneys and anybody in Black Lives Matter who is, uh, you know, going behind these families' backs. I haven't heard anything specifically about Tamika Mallory, but yeah. we have talked about her on the past in the podcast. Yeah. And, uh, you know, she is a black leader who... Uh, you know, definitely is deserving, d- deserving of our critical analysis. True indeed. So uh, that's all I would say about that. Um, yeah, I, I don't know about Sony. Ben Crump, I definitely have some issues with him. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Because nobody don't ever get paid. I mean, Shut I, up. I, I, mean I, I, <laughs> I think, was he involved with the Breonna Taylor situation? I think he was there on hand. I'm pretty sure he, he was He always there. show up. He, he like when you get into a car wreck, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, two days later, you get them letters from the lawyers. And, and, what, and what was part of that deal that they got, you know what I'm saying, that he negotiated with? It was the part of the deal was that they uh, can't sue the individual police officers. Not only that, but it was part of the uh, the new training for the police was you know you have to uh, commit maybe yeah, two hours, service, yeah, two okay. hours a month to a certain organization, community organization. You know what I'm saying? And uh, maybe go through a training. It was just some. some and and liberal, don't, don't don't forget that was a relocation bullshit. fee too. It, it, and there was nothing saying set, to be said about you know. Uh, you know, different protocols and all that shit. Right? That was a come up for the officers. You mean to tell me you gonna buy? You gonna let me get a house? Buy me a house over here? You know what I'm saying? They're just gonna go eat hot dogs with kids at the Boys and Girls Club for two hours and, and shoot basketball, like and, and confuse children. You know, by doing it. That's what we're looking at. That's when the homies need to get together. But that, that says nothing about Breonna Taylor's family and that the restitution they got. True indeed. You know what I'm saying? But I, I think it's just something on, you know, these symbolic deals with the police that really do more harm than good. Indeed. That I think I think people like Ben Crump are probably affecting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh yeah, any any other comments, Aki? I think we had a good place, bro. No, I don't got no other comments right now, man. You know what I'm saying? We just want to touch that up and you yeah. know what I'm saying? Uh at least Put it out there for the people to think about. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, um, it's sad that it come to this point, but we called this shit. Mm. Um, we was talking earlier, and I was telling you, when in the nationalist community, I don't think we ever really trusted them. Mm. We had some people who were fooled, mm. but I don't think we ever really trusted them as a real nationalist movement. We didn't see the structure. Mm-hmm. We didn't see those things in place. At least the elders that I knew, mm-hmm. who was talking to me when I was talking. What you think about Black Lives Matter? You know, they like nah, no, no. But they all said, "Let time tell," and time has told. Mm-hmm. You know, so hey, you know, hopefully they get it together. You know, hopefully uh, Mike Brown and the brothers down in Ferguson, you know, what I'm saying, get what they're owed for being the catalyst of this. You know, what I'm saying, and um. That's where I'm at with it. Sounds good, Aki. That's where I'm at with it too, bro. So uh, with that, we say peace to y'all. Peace. Much love. Free the lamb. Free the lamb.